counting it over here. All right. All right. Um, at this time, we'll have our second message, a sermon from Mr. Barnabas Grayson, entitled, Behold, the Day Comes. Mr. Grayson. Good afternoon, everyone. Doyle is passing out some of the handouts that I usually prepare whenever I have a sermon. And uh, I don't know if I, we published it enough. But anyway, I'll give you a few seconds to get your hands on one of these. It's good to see you visitors. Some of you I know, some of uh, you I don't. Probably meet you afterward. As the title says, Behold, the days come. So there are days ahead that have a promise of coming. And I think most of us know from you know, our time spent in the previous church about things that are to be and that we are to be prepared and on the watch and getting ready for those days that are to come. In our daily news, we hear of bad news. We hear also of some good news, but not much, it seems. But from the Bible, the Word of God, we hear the same, good news, and we hear bad news. But they are presented in words of warning, presented in words that have us looking forward and also giving us hope along the way. I'd like to read from Joel 1 chapter 5, that begins with a somber prophecy, a wake-up call, as in many of the scriptures that have to do with prophecy, reminds us to wake up about. In verse 5 of Joel 1, it says, Awake, you drunkards, and weep and howl, all you drinkers of wine because of the new wine, for it is cut off from your mouth. So we see that there is a, a dire shortage or desolation of wine and drinking. And it doesn't have to be wine, it could be other drinks. And you know, down in Louisiana where the electricity has been cut off and where homes are flooded and all of the conveniences of modern day uh, things your water, your electricity, especially the water when it's cut off, you, it's really hard to get. And so we see a dire shortage that is coming in a day that is to come. Verse 6, for a nation is come upon my land, and this is looking forward, strong and without number, whose teeth are the teeth of a lion and he has the cheek teeth of a great lion. You know, the, the fangs uh, of a great lion. So we see that somehow this devouring enemy is going to come and is going to consume whatever it is that we depend upon as our livelihood. In verse 10, the field we see is ruined and the land mourns for the corn, that is the grain, it's wasted. The new wine is dried up. 
the oil languishes. So, you know, so far the fullness of the, these haven't come to fully pass yet, and we can be grateful. But we have to look ahead sometimes past the bad news for the good news that is to come. In verse 11, be you ashamed, O you husbandmen, howl, O ye vine dressers, for the wheat and for the barley, because the harvest of the field is wasted or is perished. The vine is dried up, and the fig tree languishes, the pomegranate tree, the palm tree, and the apple tree, even all the trees of the field are withered because joy is withered away from the Son of Man. So when you look upon these things, especially the things that we depend upon for food, you look at the trees and you see the leaves turning brown, we haven't reached that full, that full uh, scenery yet. But as we look ahead, we see that there's going to come a time in a day to come that is going to manifest itself in, in these ways. So in verse 13, gird yourselves. You know, we think about the armor of God, how it tells us uh, to gird ourselves, to put on the whole armor of God. But it says, gird yourselves and lament, you priests. How ye ministers of the altar come lie all night in sackcloth, you ministers of my God, for the meat, meat offering and the drink offering is withholden from the house of your God. Sanctify you a fast. Call a sacred assembly, a solemn assembly. Gather the elders and all the inhabitants of the land into the house of the Lord your God and cry unto the Lord. So there are ways that the priests and that the ministers wanted to show their repentance, to show their sincerity, and that was to do things like dressing in uh, sackcloth and sanctify a, a fast. Verse 15, for the reason. Alas, for the day, for the day of the Lord is at hand, and as a destruction from the Almighty shall it come. It's near. So it's not the meat, it says in verse 16, is not the meat, sometimes referring to the food, is not the meat cut off before our eyes, yea, joy and gladness from the house of our God. So as we look around at the way it is in our day today, I'm sure we notice that there is sort of a gradual change in what we have. There's a gradual wasting away of the things that we depend upon in this life. Verse 17, the seed is rotten under the clods. Like garners are laid, uh, the garners are laid desolate. The barns are broken down for the corn or the grain is withered. How do the beasts groan? The herds of cattle are perplexed because they have no pasture. Yea, the flocks of sheep are made desolate. O Lord, to thee will I cry, for the fire has devoured the pastures of the wilderness, and the flame has burned all the trees of the field. So we're looking at a, a very a dire situation, or the future is going to be looking at a very dire situation. Verse 20. The beast of the field cry also unto you, for the rivers of waters are dried up. When you look at some of the rivers across the country, we see the shoreline where the water has receded. 
to shallow depths and that there is a, a rationing of waters in some towns and some places. And the fire has devoured the pastures of the wilderness. So we know that the nation of Israel has had its ups and downs. They've had good times. They have had bad times. And Bible history tells us that when the nation of Israel went astray and transgressed the laws of God, the people would see turmoil. They would see chaos and trouble come upon them and various other forms of calamity. And when we think about some of the weather that's happening in our country today, uh, we see how things like this can really take a toll on human life and everyday living. And so we see, as history tells us, that God sent prophets to warn and to preach repentance to them, to the people, lest they fall into captivity and die and have the things that they possess wasted. And so after a while, they would acknowledge their sins, they would repent, and they would turn to God and when they couldn't take it anymore. And sometimes some people just resist the, the troubles and feel like, well, I don't need to repent. I won't change. It's just something that happens. And they don't turn to God. And so things seem to get out of hand. Nevertheless, with each new spiritual beginning, God forgave. He, uh, they acknowledged their sins. And, and the, but eventually the people would become disinterested. They would become uh, disobedient. And, and they would go astray again. Sometimes in our Christian life, we turn our, turn our uh, uh, way of living toward the way of God, following him. And then for, over time, some reason, we become uh, disobedient and go astray. So that's a common thing in human nature. We don't always do what is right in our life. We sometimes will neglect the great salvation that we have and the hope that is before us. So even Christians who have repented and turned to God will sometimes forget their first love, their, the excitement that they had at the beginning, and put off growing in grace and in the knowledge of Jesus Christ, no longer fearing to keep the commandments, but maybe in some way compromising their faith. So from the time of the Old Testament writings to the New Testament writings, there is a gap of around 400 years and when you think about all of the things that uh, went on during that uh, gap of time, there must have been a lot of wondering as to when Messiah would come until we have the, first book, the last book of Malachi where, he, uh, where we find the closing words that he gave and that we will look at today. Apparently... The, the last verse here, this Old Testament uh, a message of Malachi, was to a disobedient nation, to a disobedient people. So in this message of Malachi are the words and prophecies that connect the Old Testament to the New. So as we see, the New Testament begins with the coming of Jesus Christ, his message of repentance, and the bringing of the gospel of salvation, reinforcing the, the laws that were given by Moses, that God gave through Moses, all of the keepings of the holy days, the law of unclean and clean meats, and 
things of that sort. And also with Christ, a message of warning and a message of repentance. So there is, all the time, we see warning, we see bad news, we see good news. And so we look beyond these things, and we see that there is a prophecy that ends in a, in a coming time of judgment. So let's uh, go back to Malachi in chapter 4. Uh, verse 1, it says, Behold, the day comes that shall burn as an oven. So we see that as a definite promise because we see and we know that the word of God says, Thy word is truth. And all the proud, yeah, and all that do wickedly shall be stubble, and the day that comes shall burn them up, saith the Lord of hosts, that it shall leave them neither root nor branch this is a look toward that day of that age ending fire when mankind has get, been given that chance to change their life to repent to turn around and verse 2 but unto you that fear that's those who revere uh, God's name who revere my name it says who revere the Lord's authority, his law and rule in their life, shall the son of righteousness arise with healing in his wings, and ye shall go forth and grow up as calves of the stall. Now, as an aside from this verse, there's a couple of things. First, the word fear sometimes sounds like a very, very harsh, harsh attitude. But it's translated from the Hebrew word yare which means to revere, that is, to adore, to worship, and have deep respect for the eternal and, you know, for his authority. Next, we see this phrase, son of righteousness. You know, we see the word S-U-N, as we know there's the sunlight outside, which according to uh, some commentators, it refers to Jesus Christ. And there are others who think differently. But according to some, when this phrase in verse 2 is, comp is compared to verse 1 about a day that shall burn as an oven, the sun of righteousness would seem also to also refer to a day, that is, the day of the Lord, a day when righteousness will shine, shine down like rays of the sun, like wings with healing and restoration in the coming kingdom of of, of God and we know that's going to be a very pleasant sunny day a bright sunshiny day like the words of that song I used to uh, uh, I remember title I can see clearly now and this look at that time to come you can look at it as the son of righteousness applying to Jesus Christ and as uh, in, in a literal way the sunlight coming down as we stand in the brightness of Jesus Christ and of, the, and of his light. So we see that those who revere the Lord will be set free from the confines of their pen. You know, like uh, calves or, uh, who've been penned up in the stall and suddenly the gate is open and they're free to just go joyfully leaping about enjoying the sunshine. 
It's like uh, sometimes you uh, accidentally let your kid go loose and they go everywhere and you have to run after them and catch them. But it's a joyful day to be out in the sun, to be free. And that's, what's, that's what is ahead for us. And you shall tread down the wicked, for they shall be ashes under the soles of your feet in that day that I shall do this, says the Lord of hosts. So we know that time to come has both fearful things coming, uh, where Christ said there shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. And so it is, in a way, our, our desire to try to get as many interested in the word of God as possible, and that day will come when we will have, when Christ comes to rule, that we will rule along with him and be able to change the attitudes of people because a lot of people as we know they have forgotten God they have forgotten his commandments they have put off believing the things the words of the Bible so this is speaking of a day that is to come a day that is ahead the light of that day is coming that's a promise so Malachi admonishes the people how to be there and to be able to stand in that light. For he says, remember you, verse 4, the law of Moses, my servant, which I commanded unto him in Horeb to all Israel, with the statutes and the judgments, said the Eternal. And he was referring to John the Baptist as he was preaching out in the wilderness that there were a lot of people that went to hear him. Even among them were some of the Pharisees. And he asked the crowd there, he said, what did you go out to see? A prophet? Yeah, you'll be correct because you did go out to see a prophet. And he says, and he said unto them, more than a prophet. So we see that John preached repentance, which is, you know, the message of a true prophet preparing the way of the Lord. And John was more than a prophet because he fulfilled the prophecy of Malachi. For this is he, it says in verse 10, for this is he of whom it is written, behold, I send my messenger before your face, which shall prepare the way before you. So in preparation, in every way, when the word of God is uh, spoken about, talks about the future, it talks about the coming of Christ, it talks about salvation and what repentance means and being obedient to God. From the time that this message went uh, from uh, Jesus Christ. We are convert, converts here today. Malachi chapter 3 verse 1. Usually I have uh, the, uh, the scriptures before me in uh written forms so that I can just go right to them and uh, the screen has always got uh, you know the, the scriptures on the back wall so I will pause a little bit for you to find uh, the place in the Bible I remember years and years ago where uh, would be listening to the minister preaching and uh, we had our, our, our Bible that had the big uh, uh, margins in it I forgot what Bible that is I've since uh, put it in the attic or somewhere. But anyway, we would uh, underline certain words that stood out to us or underline certain phrases 
that the preacher would uh, bring out. So I'm going to slow down just a little bit because I see some of you uh, going to your Bibles, and, and I, that's really good. But verse 1, Malachi, Behold, I will send my messenger, and he shall prepare the way before me. And the Lord, whom you seek, shall suddenly come to his temple, even the messenger of the covenant, whom you delight in. Behold, he shall come, saith the Lord of hosts. But, but who may abide the day of his coming? And who shall stand when he appears? For he is like a refiner's fire, and like fuller's soap. And he shall sit as a refiner and purifier of silver, and he shall purify the sons of Levi and purge them as gold and silver, that they may offer unto the Lord an offering in righteousness. Now, I'm not sure about what, you know, the fuller's soap is. Uh, I'm familiar with, you know, zest and palmolive and uh, soaps like that. And there was a soap uh, that had pumice in it. It was gritty. Uh, does anyone remember that? Because I want to. Lava, yes, lava. So I was at the, uh, at the football field when I was younger. I was in grade school and watching the players practice. And uh, the coach came over to me, said, we need some soap. Go down to the grocery store, which is just about a half a block away, and buy some soap for the players. And uh, so I was excited to do that. And the soap I picked out, since those, those players were all sweaty and dirty and things, I thought the best thing they could use was some of that lava soap. And I, I was uh, outside the dressing room, and I heard somebody on the inside uh, yelling, where'd they get this soap? Who bought this soap? Well, I slinked down and went my way. But I was excited to do something for the team, even though they didn't like it. Sometimes I thought, well, they should be more appreciative to get that dirt off. But I was young, but when I see Fuller's soap here, I think of lava soap for some reason. Just had to mention that. Then shall the offering of Judah and Jerusalem be pleasant unto the Lord as in the days of old and as in former years. And I will come near to you to judgment. And I will be a swift witness against the sorcerers and against the adulterers, against false swearers, and against those that oppress the hireling in his wages, the widow, the fatherless, and that turn aside the stranger from his right, and fear not me, saith the Lord of hosts. Matthew 11, again, Matthew 11, verse uh, 11. Jesus continued, he was still speaking to them. He said, there has not risen a greater than John the Baptist, notwithstanding he that is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. So I believe this speaks of a time when we will preach repentance in the kingdom of God along with Jesus Christ during that millennial reign that, you know, the, the uh, Feast of Tabernacles uh, uh, teaches. And from the days of John the Baptist, verse 12, until now, the kingdom of heaven suffers violence, and the violent take it by force. We see 
And we know that evil men have always had their own designs of what heaven is like and what it should be like. And so they would lay hold of it by force, by violence. And the religious leaders of that day, they did not accept Christ. They did not believe that he was the son of God. They resisted his message, his teachings. And they did not want him to rule as their king. And so neither did John's message receive the attention that it deserved. Verse 13, for all the prophets and the law prophesied until John, who preached repentance, you know, pre preparing the way for the Lord. And the message of the prophets actually looked to Jesus Christ. Verse 14, and if you will receive it, this is Elias, which was for us to come. So he said, if you're willing to understand what I mean, he is Elijah. The one the prophet said would come at the time the kingdom begins. But John, you know, was put into prison. He was beheaded. And the majority did not accept his message. But Je Jesus carried on the gospel of uh, salvation, repentance, to, uh, and warning a stubborn and stiff-necked people. But he was crucified too. And for that reason, that God so loved the world that he sent his only begotten son, that whosoever should believe in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. So we see this prophecy that was uh, back in Malachi about the fulfilling the spirit of Elijah, that it would come, that the message would still continue. Matthew 25, verse 31. When the Son of Man shall come in his glory, great day that is to come he'll come in his glory and who knows about all that glory that will surround him and all the holy angels with him then shall he sit upon the throne of his glory and before him shall be gathered all nations and he shall separate them one from another as a shepherd divides his sheep from the goats and he shall set the sheep on his right hand but the goats on the left but before that day comes and we've read this it's going to be a dreadful day as we read earlier in in Joel and you can read throughout the book of Joel of how it describes that day to come but concerning those days to come so we ask ourselves this question this question how are we to be what are we to be doing? Who are we to look to? Colossians 1, uh, beginning verse 9, the Apostle Paul, he is writing to uh, the saints at Colossae, and he was encouraged. He had heard of their faith in Christ Jesus, and he gave them words that reminded them about the hope that is laid up in heaven for them. And so he wrote in verse 9, For this cause... We also, since the day we heard it, do not cease to pray for you and to desire that you might be filled with knowledge, with the knowledge of his will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding, that you might walk worthy. So in my scripture here, as I was reading, uh, looking at these scriptures, 
I underline, and I, I know I've heard it in other messages by the other speakers here, that we should walk worthy. So I underlined walk worthy. Walk worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing. Being fruitful. I underlined fruitful. Be fruitful in every good work. And increasing in the knowledge of God. When we do those things, the likelihood of going astray is, is uh, diminished. But to know God's will is through the hearing of his word and through the studying of his word because it's going to prepare us for the days to come and for the trials of faith that, uh, that challenge us in our life. And we gain wisdom and understanding along the way as we face these things. Now this word worthy is from the Greek word axios, A-X-I-O-S, which means equal weight. That is, to be up to the standards of Jesus Christ, being holy as he is holy, and pleasing to God and to all. So the spiritual strength results from knowing God's will, knowing what his word says about the promises that he has made, even though some of those promises in our lifetime may not come as we want. We pray hard for sometimes for someone to... Uh, get over their sickness, to be spared uh, death, to be spared of those things. But knowing the, the word of God, we know that there is hope beyond these trials that we face in our life. So we live up to the standards of Christ, being holy as he is holy. Verse 11, strengthen unto all patience and long suffering with joyfulness. Was it James that said, you know, no trial is uh, ever joyful? And we, we've experienced that. We know that. But it is God-given strength so that we can uh, endure, so that we can have patience no matter what happens, but always full of the joy of the Lord because of those, the hope that goes beyond a certain trial that we uh, may, may be experiencing. So we can give thanks for the spiritual strength and that God will supply us, help us through the day, and also in the days to come. So we see patience here. Now patience is a word that is usually connected to calm and attitude of gentleness, not letting things upset you or, or get to you or get on your nerves, that you lose your patience and act out in, in, in anger. Long-suffering means perseverance, having endurance, and remaining in the faith and under pressure, living up to the standards and example of our Savior, Jesus Christ. There were days when uh, we used to live about 70-something miles uh, uh, south of here, and we'd come to Sabbath services, and we brought our kids with us, and they were little, and sometimes on the way back, they would get restless in the back seat of the car, one sitting too close or rubbing elbows, and they would uh, crescendo in their in their talk and in their voice and blaming each other, and you start to feel uh, the pa impatience. I don't know if you've ever felt that way, but uh, gritting your teeth as far as you could, and finally. 
Well, there was one time I remember pulling off the road. And we were almost home, but I pulled off the road and I looked back at there at them and it just it just they saw my wrath. And uh, the other day we uh, we had two of our grandchildren in the back, and they were giddy and talking loud, and we uh, couldn't carry on a conversation. My grand, uh, my uh, son and I, he was driving, and the two of uh, two of the grandkids were in the back, and they were they reminded me of that time long ago, and I guess I've gotten a little older, and my patience is a little uh, longer than it used to be. And I rather kind of enjoyed that memory that they were, that they were putting back into into my mind, and uh, so in a way, perhaps my patience has grown a little bit. But you could probably ask my wife; it really has. But there's a lot that has to do with patience, because we lose it sometimes when. Our trial is not over. And so we have to persevere. We have to endure. We have to remain in faith and, and, and hope also under pressure. And we have to live up to the standards of Jesus Christ, our Savior, and to, to the examples of others. Because as I know in this room, that there are uh, brethren here who have suffered the loss of children. And I've seen how they have continued in the faith, knowing about the hope that is in them. And even though they, it, it's a Chinese proverb that I heard, if you see a good man or a good person, emulate that person. But if you do see a bad person, then question yourself. Before you know you make any judgment. So we learn from each other. Because the hope that is in our brethren. The faith that is in our brethren. Are examples for us. Even as we. Because they follow the words of Jesus Christ. They know his promises. They know that he is with them. No matter what. And so they persevere. And they endure. And get through whatever sorrows. Whatever pains they have. It may take a while may take us having patience. Verse 12, giving thanks unto the Father who made us to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light, delivered us from the power of darkness, and has translated us into the kingdom of his dear Son. So the power that comes from Jesus Christ through the power of the Holy Spirit is more powerful than uh, what is in the world. Sometimes we forget to uh, tap that, that resource. In whom we have redemption through his blood, even the forgiveness of sin. You know, that's why we are here today, to remain in the mercy of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, who is the image, in verse 15, of the invisible God, the firstborn of every creature. This means Jesus was or he and is the heir of, of the entire universe for by him verse 16 all things were created that are in heaven and that are in the earth visible and invisible whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers all things were created by him and for him 
And he is before all things, and by him all things consist. And he's the head of the body, that is the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things he might have the preeminence. For it pleased the Father that in him should all fullness dwell, having made peace through the blood of his cross by him to reconcile all things unto himself. By him I say, whether they be things in earth or things in heaven. So we know about the holy days that are to come. We see the promises that are made through these holy days that we observe. We see the Feast of Trumpets both as a time of, of some dread, but also the hope of the resurrection. We see the atonement when uh, the nation uh, shall be forgiven their sins. And you that were sometimes alienated and enemies in your mind and by wicked works, yet now has he reconciled. That, and that speaks of us today. And though we have, you know, various trials that try to uh, get us off the track. And sometimes, you know, the trials are very um, unbearable. But, you know, Jesus said that in this life you shall have tribulation. And that it is through much tribulation, through much trouble, through much trial, that we enter into the kingdom of God. In, in ancient Rome, there was a method that they used for, uh, for uh, separating grain or threshing grain, uh, the sheaves from the, from the grain. And they used a device called a, uh, I think it's a, a tribulin, T-R-I-B-U-L-E-N, I think that's right. But it had rollers, and on, on these rollers were, were uh, things that would cut, things that would dent, there had sharp stones, and other things under these rollers. And this device was called a tribulin, and they rolled it over the sheaves. And this word tribulin, this device, is where we get the word tribulation. So that's trial sometimes. It can be sharp. It can be, uh, we could be, uh, it's like getting hit with stones or rolled over with stones. It's tribulation. Verse 23, oh, verse 22, in the body of his flesh through death to present you holy and unblameable and unreprovable in his sight. That's how we stand today. If you continue in the faith grounded and settled and be not moved away from the hope of the gospel which you have heard and which was preached to every creature which is under heaven whereof I, Paul, am made a minister. Colossians 2. I'm not going to go through all the scriptures on that that I have listed 6 through 17. I uh, just want to highlight verse 8 where it says, Beware lest any man spoil you through philosophy. That is, you know, some ism or, or some doctrine and vain deceit, which is, you know, uh, as uh, mentioned earlier in the sermonette, vain, empty, which is fruitless, which is our falsehoods, after the tradition of men, and after the rudiments of the world and not after Christ. So there are some things out in the world 
that sound good, that sound attractive, a way to think, a way to do. But it's opposite what Christ wants us to do. So beware, lest any man spoil you through that philosophy. For in him dwells all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. And you are complete in him. So if we uh, have any truth that needs to be revealed to us through the power of the Holy Spirit and through our prayers and through our study and uh, our looking to Jesus Christ, we won't uh, easily uh, stray from the truth. Verse 12 says that we are baptized, we are buried with him in baptism, wherein also you are risen with him through the faith of the operation of God who has raised him from the dead. Like I said, I'm not going to read all of this, but uh, I want to go on. I have a, usually try to keep sermon under 45 minutes, so it looks like I have maybe four minutes. <coughs> and it talks about these holy days, like the Feast of Trumpets, like Atonement, like uh, Feast of Tabernacles, and, and like the last great day. Uh, it's described in uh, 17 in Colossians that uh, these are a shadow of things to come and verse 16 don't let anyone criticize that is knock you or, or pick you apart pick you apart for what you eat or drink or for not celebrating as uh, Jewish holidays as this one uh, commentary said and that they are only temporary rules but we know that they are not so Apparently, we all know the holy days and Sabbaths today are, have been replaced by pagan uh, observances and celebrations. Let's go to Joel again. Joel chapter 3. Behold, in those days... And in that time when I shall bring again the captivity and Jerusalem of Judah and Jerusalem. I will also gather all nations and will bring them down into the valley of Jehoshaphat. Which we find out is you know the valley of decision. And will plead with them there for my people and for my heritage Israel. Whom they have scattered among the nations and parted my land. Skipping on down to verse 10. Or verse 9. Proclaim ye this among the Gentiles. Prepare war. Wake up the mighty men. Let all the men of war draw near. And let them come up. Beat your plowshares into swords. And your pruning hit hooks into spears. And let the weak say I am strong. So uh, you know it's opposite of what's going to happen. During the millennium. When the swords are turned into plowshares. And the spears into pruning hooks. For productive purposes. Assemble yourselves. And come all you heathen. And gather yourselves together. Round about. And, and for, I, for there will I sit to judge. All the heathen round about. Verse 13. Put you in the sickle. For the harvest is ripe. Come get you down. For the press is full, the fats overflow, for their wickedness is great. Multitudes, multitudes, in the valley of decision, for the day of the Lord is near. In the valley of decision. 
So we see here picturing a time of divine judgment that is coming. Verse 15, the sun and moon shall be darkened and the stars shall uh, withdraw their shining. So that, that day of judgment uh, is really going to bring a lot of solemnness, a lot of fear upon those. Joel 2 tells us in verse 10, the earth shall quake before them, heaven shall tremble, sun and moon shall be dark and the stars shall withdraw their shining. Verse 13, skipping down, rend your heart and not your garments and turn unto the Lord your God for he is gracious and merciful, slow to anger and of great kindness and repents him, uh, repenteth him of the evil, of the, you know, the just punishment that we might deserve. Verse 15 of Joel chapter 2, skipping some scriptures. Below the trumpet in, blow the trumpet in Zion, sanctify a fast, call a solemn assembly. Two things we see here, which you know, could apply to the coming feast of trumpets and also the solemn assembly of, of the day of atonement. Gather the people, sanctify the congregation, assemble the elders, gather the children and those that suck the breasts, the infants. Let the bridegroom go forth of his chamber and the bride out of her closet. So in three days we have a call to assembly on the day of trumpets. And what those days mean concerning the days that are to come. In spite of the trouble that we see about us. You know here we gather peacefully. We gather in the same mind and fellowship and the same hope that was presented so long ago. And in verse, uh, verses 21 through 22 are, are about, the, about the land. Be glad and rejoice. I've gone one minute over. <laughs> That's okay. I'm on the uh, last page of my, my notes here anyway. You know, a lot of people have died from war. They've died from hunger. They've died from disease. But in the... Uh, Awakening to come, they're going to find themselves suddenly in the twinkling of an eye at peace and with plenty in, their, uh, in the coming kingdom of God. And it shall come to pass, in verse 28, it shall come to pass afterward that I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. All flesh. You know, that Holy Spirit hasn't been poured out on all flesh yet, but it will be. So, it's only through the wisdom and rule of Jesus Christ that there can be real healing, that there can be families that are reunited in the spirit of Elijah. And as Malachi reminds us, who also talked about reuniting families, and he talks about how divorce was going throughout the land. He said in Malachi 4, 4, In all the, these days that are ahead, when they come, Malachi 4.4, 4, Remember you the law of Moses, my servant which I commanded unto him in Horeb, that's Mount Sinai, for all Israel with the statutes and judgments. And as the book of Revelation closes, for here are they who keep the commandments of God and the faith of Jesus Christ.